Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Ryan, three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspire us. Rocktail Hour is now an affiliate of Amazon.com, the online megastore. If you're going to buy stuff on Amazon anyway, we'd appreciate it if you would first click on the Amazon link on the Rocktail Hour homepage or affiliates page, and Amazon will send us a few dollars to help fund the free podcast. Today, Tim is going to bring us the story behind Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. I've been wanting to do a podcast about the Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald ever since we started doing this. Uh, primarily because the song itself is the actual story of a very tragic event. And which, I re- which one? <laughs> <laughs> um, Smart aleck in every crowd. That's right. When I was a kid, I remember hearing this song, and I remember hearing news reports about the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And when the song came out, I heard it on the radio, and I immediately thought it was a really haunting song, but it was beautiful. And this is one of the songs where I've actually listened, as a young kid, I actually listened to the words and and really felt for the first time that not only could music be lyrically beautiful, but it could convey a, a really good message, which I think is memorializing, you know, the, the loss of all the lives on this ship. Um, Gordon Lightfoot wrote the song uh, after the, the tragedy on Lake Superior on November 10th, 1975. He says it was inspired by a Newsweek article about the event, and it was titled The, the Cruelest Month. It appeared in uh, Newsweek November 24th, so just very shortly after the Edmund Fitzgerald went down. When, like I say, when I was a kid, I, I remember being struck about how haunting this was. And at first I didn't realize that it was a, a true story. Um, but uh, I, Trey, do you remember when we were in grade school and we used to watch news film strips? You would have these <laughs> news stories right. on film strip. And, and actually, we as kids in the classroom, we would, we would be asked to stand up and narrate a certain portion of, of that. And so they'd give us a little script and, and then you'd say, move on to the next one and you'd talk about it. And it always, it covered the news spectrum, news stories. It talked about entertainment. It talked about sports. And I remember, um, I, I can really picture these in my mind, but one of the ones that stands out is that there was, I don't know why this was a story. It didn't have anything to do, I don't think, with the actual uh event where the Edmund Fitzgerald sank. I think it had to do uh, more as an entertainment story with Gordon Lightfoot winning some kind of an award. Or, But it stands out in my mind because uh, one of our friends, one of our mutual friends, uh, John E., to protect his anonymity, <laughs> um, um, he, he he was up reporting on the this, this newsreel, and the teacher raised his hand and said, hey, does anybody know what song he's talking about? And we all said, no, we don't know. And the teacher said, John, can you sing it for us? And so John sang it in his 11 or 12-year-old voice, and cool. it was kind of funny. And we all went, yeah, we know that song. And so that's a memory that stands out from, from when I was a kid. I but I, I love this song. I really love this song, and I, and I like the story behind it. But again, I didn't realize up front that it was a true story. I kind of thought of this song a little bit um, in the same vein as uh, Ode to Billy Joe. Do you remember that song? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a movie later on, 
by Bob, and the song was by Bobby Gentry, and it's a very similar type song. It's the same music over and over with different verses, and and it's very effective because it you know the words build into kind of a powerful ending. You know, this is a good story, true tragic story, but it's a really good story. And the same with you know Ode to Billy Joel. That was a great, not Billy Joel, Billy Joe. So anyway. Um, the story behind the song is really the story about the Edmund Fitzgerald. And basically what happened is that Gordon Lightfoot wrote this song um, in memoriam of the 29 men that lost their lives when, when the Edmund Fitzgerald sank in Lake Superior in November of 1975. And apparently this was a, a, a crossing uh, from Whitefish Bay, Michigan, and they were going to Detroit, and then they were going to go on to Cleveland where the Edmund Fitzgerald was going to winter. So anyway, they left in the afternoon... And um, the Edmund Fitzgerald was fully loaded with taconite iron ore. And again, it was bound for a still meal in, uh, in Detroit and then on to Cleveland. Um, it was going about 13 knots, and then all of a sudden this winter storm came along. And um, the song itself kind of tells that, uh, foreshadows it. And I, what a great way to tell this story and, and make it as haunting as it really was. But the verse says, The wind in the wires made a tattletale sound as the waves broke over the railing. Every man knew, and the captain did too, Twas the witch of November come stealing. Hmm. That's, cool. some, that's some great lyric writing, and it kind of foreshadows what's going to happen. Well, anyway, late in the afternoon on, on November 10th, um, the captain of the ship was Ernest McSorley. He was a, a veteran of crossings of Lake Superior. And he calls in and says, I've, I've taken on some minor damage. I mean, the storm was quite fierce, and, and they were taking waves on Lake Superior that were like 16 to 35 feet. Dang. Wow. You know, and this was a big ship. It was heavy. It was carrying iron ore. And um, so he calls in and says, I've got some minor damage. Uh, I've got a little bit of topside damage and we've, you know, we've got loss of radar, but we don't have any serious problems. And they decided they were going to go to Whitefish Bay, which was, you know, closer. So anyway, the last communication that comes through from the Edmund Fitzgerald came about uh, 10 after 7 in the evening when another freighter that was close by notified the captain that it, it looked like they'd been hit by some pretty big waves. And Captain McSorley said, hey, look, in his own words were, we're holding our own. And then sometime between 7.10 and 7.30, that ship sank like a rock. It was gone. So it went down really, really fast. So then, you know, the Anderson, this Anderson, this ship reports that uh, the Fitzgerald was gone. And they tried to initiate a search, but the, you know, the, the storm conditions were so extreme, there was nothing they could do. And by the time the Coast Guard could get out, um... They could, you know, there was no sign of the ship, and a day later, they, you know, they could see some debris and some life raft, but there were no survivors, and they actually never found any of the remains of the crew at all. Wow, still have it? No, and so Gordon Lightfoot writes, they may have split up, or they may have capsized, they may have broke deep and took water, but all that remained were the faces of names of the wives and the sons and the daughters. So it it talks about. You know, the real impact of all, you know, leaving these, you know, these men left behind families. So in 1976, a submersible, a Navy submersible actually found the wreck. And they found that the freighter was lying in, in, in a couple of pieces. The bow section was upright and the stern section was about 200 feet away. And it was, it was, it was not upright. It was laying face down. 
And then, you know, there was pieces of the ship from the middle that were scattered everywhere. There's been a lot of controversy surrounding why they think that the Edmund Fitzgerald sank. And uh, initially they believed that the ship uh, probably snapped in half uh, because of the gale winds. But but a lot of people didn't believe that because um, some people say that when a ship breaks apart on the surface, the bower and stern are usually found quite a bit apart and these were found fairly close together 200 yards you know Mm. they said in the past when that's happened on the surface you usually find them miles apart and and so they didn't think that happened but the official coast guard report concluded that the wreck was caused by a faulty hatch closure and and that didn't prevent the water from from getting into the cargo hold and so then the lyrics say when supper time came the old cook came on deck saying fellas it's too rough to feed you at 7 p.m., a main hatchway caved in. He said, fellas, it's been good to know you. Hmm. But later on, the National Transportation Safety uh, Board discovered, um, actually, when they went down and, and looked with underwater cameras, that um, that the cargo holds were fastened. And so they didn't look like they were faulty. And if the cargo holds hadn't been fastened, there's there's, and I don't fully understand that, but there they they would have blamed the crew on on not making sure that that was done correctly so some of the families in the past have been a little upset because you know the official interpretation was that the crew did something wrong by not taking care of these cargo holds but when they got down and looked at them on the camera uh, they were fastened properly and so um, now the official version is or the one that's most accepted is that somehow water got in uh, and 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 got into this cargo hold with the taconite ore which is very porous and as it took on more water um it it caused them to become waterlogged and become much heavier and a lot of people say well no you would you would know that because you know you would know you were sinking but they said the opinion is is that they took on enough water slowly enough that they gradually gained enough weight that they were sinking in the water so slowly they didn't realize what was happening until it was too late and it capsized and it went down. Oh, that's cool. And so that's kind of what um, the the official opinion is now anyway. So Gordon Lightfoot has changed two lyrics uh, in the song because of because of this finding and one other thing that I kind of think is funny. Oh, really? So after the fact? Well, he won't change the copyrighted version of the song, but when he plays it live in person now, he will sing it differently every time. Every time? Whenever he sings it, he sings it differently now out of respect for the families. Yeah. So he changed the line uh, for the first time in March 2010 to reflect those new findings. Oh, instead of singing at 7 p.m., a main hatchway caved in, he said at 7 p.m. it grew dark and he said and that's when he references the cook uh saying it's been good to know you so he he totally takes out this main hatchway caving oh, in so that it, there's no reference out of respect to the families and another one is in the final lyrics he sings in a musty old hall in detroit they prayed in the maritime sailors cathedral the church bell time till it rang 29 times for each man on the edmund fitzgerald the legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi, which, by the way, if you can, you know, work in Gitchagumi in a song and find a good rhyme for that nice. without sounding stupid. So kudos to <laughs> Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> Superior, they said, never gives up or dead when the gales of November come early. You know, and that is just a really powerful song. But the other lyric that he sings now, um, instead of a musty old hall, apparently he got some grief from people who actually 
worship there. Oh, wow. And they said, look, it's not musty. <laughs> so from now on, he sings in a rustic old hall. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> because he doesn't want to offend anybody. So good for him. <laughs> but what a tragic story, you know, and, and, you know, years, what I like about this story, the, the only good thing that comes from this story is the fact that, that Gordon Lightfoot would take and write such a respectful song in memoriam of these people that, that people really appreciate listening to. I, I don't know how many times you hear this, but it's always haunting and it's always beautiful. And it always makes you, it almost always makes you tear up just a little bit thinking about it because, you know, there is a real reverence and respect in both the words and the music. And, and you know, when a song works right, it works right, and and this one does, um, and and it's a great p- way to pay respect. I'm sure the families, you know, I'm sure it doesn't bring, it certainly doesn't bring back the the people who were lost, but the families um, who lost uh, their fathers or sons or you know or husbands or whatever, um, I'm sure that they must feel a, a, some amount of gratitude to Gordon Lightfoot for for taking this serious subject and, and making people aware of it. So, how long after the incident did he write the song? Well, it appeared on his 1976 album, Summertime Dream. So it was, you know, within a year. Wow. Uh, but what I was saying is I like that years later, uh, the the developments in technology that allow you to go back and be able to kind of pinpoint things that you would have never known before. And um, it's it's probably good and it's probably sort of cathartic for the families to know that the crew wasn't to blame for this. And it certainly, again, doesn't bring their family members back, but at least there's no question about, you know, their credibility or, or their skills as sailors or whatever that, that, you know, it was one of those freak things that happened, but it wasn't because they were, you know, they were negligent. Um, I'll just conclude uh, by saying, and this, I really like this, uh, in July 19, oh, on July 4th in 1995, the Edmund Fitzgerald's ship's bell was recovered, finally, and it now hangs in the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum at Whitefish Point, which is where they were trying to go yeah. when they when they capsized. It says no remains of the crew have ever been found, but... That's strange. You know, that's nice that... Mm. It's really nice that they've been able to get that bell and bring yeah. it back up, and it doesn't change anything, you know, but... Nice memorial. Yeah, yeah it, it is. is, and it's nice... I'm sure that it's nice for families to be able to go there and see, you know, this was part of the ship, you know, and... So. Well, thanks, Tim. Uh, you can listen to a clip from the song on iTunes by clicking on the album link on the Rocktail Hour website. Please email us at dudesrocktailhour.com if you think we got it all wrong, if you have an interesting rock tale of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that would be a good subject for a Rocktail Hour. If you think we're lame, please keep that to yourself. Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter and rate us on iTunes. And until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on. Rock on.